And three, two, one, let's go. Folks, thank you for coming on another episode of Thirst. Oh, I got a bad connection. Welcome to the Thirst World Problems Podcast, where we talk about drinks, current events, music, and more. Now, here's your host, Nick Dugall, and his panel of experts, B, Bell, and the infamous Doc. We have a huge, huge guest with Bup Sagu. He's world-renowned, award-winning Asian music producer and DJs who has had countless chart-topping hits. He's been across the globe He's been here, and the fact that he's here with us is huge. Bups, thank you for being on the pod for this special, special, different kind of scenario here since we're all isolated, and Bell is nicely in our studio enjoying the mics, enjoying the mix while we're stuck here, you know, uh, doing this mix. So thank you very much for doing this. No worries, man. Pleasure. No, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Um, I've never done this before with you guys. It's been a long time. We've been talking about this. Yeah. So yeah, we're all in isolation. The world's on lockdown, and so no better time, really. You know, just to connect with people. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Buffs, uh, I've been a big fan for such a long time. This is a, this is a really really big deal for me. I, these guys knew how serious <laughs> I took it. I was like, listen, you guys got to be ready for twelve. Get some questions in. No, no one messing around here. We, we <laughs> can't screw up on this. Okay, so no, no, no. Um, let's let's Lucky talk. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Let's talk about um, the beginning here. How did you, what inspired you to become a producer? I've been producing for a long time, guys. Um, I, was, I was a ghost producer. You heard of that term? Ghost yeah, producer. So, um, <laughs> so um, I did a lot of work for a lot of people. And I've always been inspired by not just Punjabi music. I've been inspired by pretty much everything, anything that sounds good. Do you know what I mean? So um, for my, my musical awareness, it's quite broad. For me to become a music producer, I guess it's for me just to relay a message or, or something I want to get out right and the only way for me to do that I was restricted when I was doing production for other people so when if I learned the art myself and I became a solo artist I can release what I wanted to because it's just it's just getting it's it's like a lyricist you need to just get it out right same with music I just need to get it out whatever I have in there I needed to translate it and the only way for me to do that is to become a producer where I can where I can show the world and you know and this is my interpretation of what I enjoy. Do you know what I mean? So, but that was pretty much it. I played with everybody. Like if back in the day, um, the live bands were killing it. Um, I was a I was a key member of the Safri Boys. If any of you remember? For real? Yeah, yeah I remember. So um, I was what 16, 16, 17. I was one of the youngest members in the Asian live band scene. So from that point. Um, I got to play with nearly every band. I played with all the all the biggest bands, really. I mean, you've got like your, you, you, like I said, you've got Safri Boys. I played with Malkeith, Sadie, DCS. I also played with Justice Sidhu, yeah. um, and a lot of live bands. And I had the opportunity to be part of that, you know, um, of, of the Punjabi culture thing, as well as becoming a DJ. I was um, part of a leading Asian DJ in the UK, part of his crew. Like I said, I was young. We're talking 14, 15, 16. I was a totally back then. <laughs> nice, nice. Just before I joined Stuff Free, I joined um, the DJs. Because I just wanted to do music. I, I, I had that, you know, like you have an itch. I had to scratch it. So I had to be part of music some form or another. What year was this when you were doing Stuff Free Boys? Man, I must have been 16, 17. I mean, yeah, I must have been just before I went to university. I think <laughs> I was 18 when I went to university. So I must have been between 16 and 17. I was young. I was headhunted, actually. I was doing, I was playing Dawn at a wedding in the UK. And a member of the Suffrey Boys saw me 
mentioned me to Safari. Funny story. You want to hear funny stories? I've got, yeah, I got many stories, right? When I was a kid, younger than I was um, 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 at this age, I'm talking about, must have been what, nine, ten? And I met Safri. I met Balvin de Safri, the lead singer of the Safri Boys. I met him at a local temple. He was doing, um, he, he was a guest and he was in a, sing some, some Shabbat and stuff. And I remember saying to him that I'm going to play for you one day. I remember him laughing at me. Um, shaking my nose, rubbing my head. I said, you know, oh, little cute fat kid, whatever it was. <laughs> I'm like, sure, sure, I'm going to play for you one day. And I remember coming back from the first gig. I said to Sophia, I go, do you remember that little kid at that time? And funnily enough, he did. And I said, that kid's me. And I go, I've got to play with you, which is a cool story. That's massive, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. My journey's not been a straightforward. I've, this was the one path I've had. I wanted to explore every aspect of music I possibly could live, the DJing side, the producing side. And because I, I kind of want to understand it. I want to understand my market fully. That's what I've always wanted to do. So me becoming solo, producing my own stuff now. And um, it's, it's good because I've, I've got that knowledge from, I believe, from the live side, the producing side. I also studied music. After my degree, yeah, yeah. which is uh, which many Asian families would not have seen that as a <laughs> proper degree, right? Yeah, so I got my accounting degree, handed it over to mom and dad, and then I said, "See ya." Two and a half go years. Do, go, go do what you want after that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I did. I moved to London. I moved to London, fully broke, had no money, right? Uh, but I made it happen. So I learned the production side. Because I didn't want to rely on anybody. So I've got my own studios. And now the engineering side was important because I can only translate what's in there myself instead of relying on somebody else. They won't get the message. I'm quite, what's the word? Um, what's, the, oh, what's the word? It begins with M when you're very... Meticulous? That's right. I'm very meticulous. Right. But that's pretty much my, you know, that's my journey. Um, the DJing side took off because I was always DJing. And from when, I, when leaving the Safi Boys and leaving the live scene, I... Started my own roadshow. I uh, was playing in all the club gigs. And then Bob Segu just did his thing. And he has been since. Bob, anything crazy you remember from, from doing the club uh, shows and stuff like that, that that stands out, something that happened, or, or anything, anything like that that sticks out to you? When I was younger and not responsible or less responsible, um, <laughs> I remember, and not that I do this now, and um, I remember doing a couple of gigs. I think I was in Norway. And I got so hammered prior to the gig. And I think I must have played like four songs. <laughs> and everything just went pear-shaped <laughs> after that. Now, that's not a funny story, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's something I kind of don't remember, but I do remember that it was, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But the funny thing is, me and the promoters became friends because the promoters also got drunk. Everyone got drunk. So that, the part, we, we don't know what happened. Who hosted the night? Who DJed? But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. So since then, we've been friends and I've been playing at their family weddings as well. Um, <laughs> nice. Sober. Sober. Right. Nope. Uh, but yeah, there's been loads of instances. If I really think about it, it'll, you know, it'll come to me. So, Bob, you started so early. Did, what was your reaction with your parents uh, when, they, when you started playing, especially when you started doing some club shows at that age? What were your parents like? What was that? They didn't know, you know. Um, in the UK, we used to have daytimers. That was my next question. How, yeah, yeah. How, how often were you doing daytimers? All the time. Yeah, because that's, that's what I've heard, like, growing up here in Canada. 
we hear that that was happening all the time. We're just like, what? What do you mean daytime? So, so. Daytime is so we used to skip school. Um, <laughs> we used to skip school. And I was usually on the road tour anyway to DJ just to do a 25-minute, tw- 30-minute set here and there. So I was like, what, four, 13, 14? And my parents didn't know. They didn't know. <laughs> so that, <laughs> they don't I mean, they, they've been very cool with me and music. You know, they've never held me back. My, I mean, my dad and my mom, they're both talented in their own right. <laughs> my dad's a poet. Um, and he used to paint and all sorts back in the day. So he's, he's very artistic. Mom, she, she's the same. She was a musician. So they've, they've never held me back. They've never stopped me from pursuing what I wanted to do. And I'm grateful to them. I mean, I've had um, my other relatives thought I was crazy and wasting my time and wasting money. I was never going to make it, but I proved them wrong. You know, I've got a great life. And um, I made it happen with music. But they didn't know what the daytime is. That was not allowed. <laughs> Bless your parents, man. That's that's huge because I think with parents, you know, sometimes they want you to be successful, but sometimes uh, they kind of miss out the happiness, right? And yeah, that's true. This, this was the biggest thing. And I think a lot of, you know, Indian parents do that. They They want you to have the highest degree to them. The highest degree is your typical, what? being a doctor, engineer, et cetera, right? You know, but in the end... I guess they didn't know. They didn't... They assumed that these are professional fields that you should follow. Right. Right? Because this is going to be successful. This is a safe and respected profession. Right, right. And I think back in the day when music wasn't as accessible, it was more the unknown. Yeah. We didn't have YouTube. You know, there was physical CD sales, cassettes, Right, so this was there was no way to monitor your success or your, your your progress or whatever you want to call it. There was nothing to assess it. They just we just bought music from the shelf, right? So for them it was the unknown, and I get it. Like with my children, I want them to do the best they can do, and I want them to be happy. But we can because we you know we've got technology now. The world's a smaller place. We mm-hmm. see everything. We know there's possibilities in making money from and making a good life. And not all about money. I mean, having a, having a happy life from sports, from music, from media, you know, from, from anything. Yeah. So we've got that knowledge about it now. And I think back in the day, respect to them for wanting, just, for wanting us to do the best we possibly could. Oh, 100%. 100%. But I think, you know, as, as we all become parents you know, for our own kids. I think we kind of pick and choose and realize, you know, the, the trial and errors that we dealt with. So obviously yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, with, with your kids, you probably want them to do what makes them in the end happen. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I do, I do. Yeah. I mean, we, we've struggled a, a fair amount. I think a lot of us have. Yeah, yeah. In our generation. And we don't, we, we, we kind of want them to have a little bit of a struggle because I just don't want to put it on a silver platform. Right, right. But at the same time, you know, it's I, I, want, I want the best world. But yeah, that's what parents are there for. Do you know what I mean? Well, Thirst World Problems, we are kind of a drinking podcast. What is your favorite drink, end of the day? Mine. I love vodka. But what? lately, I love my, I love oh, my pink There we go. You know what, have you ever tried pink gin with ginger ale? Pink gin with ginger ale? No, no. Trust me on this. I'm a big gin I'm, guy, but not with ginger ale, no. Trust me. It's okay. so good. I tried it last week. In ginger ale. It was, it was odd. It was an error, in fact, but it was tasty. <laughs> so tasty. Gave me a headache the next morning. So it's, it's worth it. So it's, it's good. It's a good drink. Try it. Okay, okay. That's not that pink. That's not that pink 
uh, that pink bottle everyone's drinking, is it? Like I don't know what it, no, it's just Gordon's pink. No, no, that, that's vodka. That's vodka. The pink Whitney is the vodka. Uh, it's oh, what's that? Pink, it's the pink Whitney, uh, I think that's what he's talking about, is the vodka. Pink gin, though. What brand of, uh, what brand of gin is that, uh, the pink one here? Now you got our picture. Should I get it? Yeah, please. Please. <laughs> I thought he was going to reach right to the right and just pick it up right there. <laughs> he just pulls out of the jacket. Here you go, guy. <laughs> yeah. good. Just copping his coffee off. All good, man. No, I think he was saying it's Gordon's or something. I think we've had that before. Yeah, I think we've had regular Gordon's before. But yeah, no, that's, uh, that's huge, though. I don't even remember the strawberry gin. I never knew the gin was flavored uh, as far as like colors go and stuff. You know what I mean? It's it's hitting Bell's fancy right now. Oh man, I'm, my interest is peak, peak. Nice, look at that. Nice Gordon. Oh yeah, that looks tasty. That looks it tasty. Is nice. Ginger it is Saturday. Ale. It is Saturday. It'll be done by Sunday. Be <laughs> <laughs> done tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's move forward here. Let's. Um, I want to talk about. I want to talk about some tracks that you had that was meaningful, but they weren't as popular when you released them. Don't get me wrong. They're still popular, but not as big as, you know, um, a typical drinking song that you have that becomes more popular. How do you balance it out? Are you going more towards what you're, what you want the fans that, uh, what they want, or is it more of what you feel is the right time to produce out and, and release? You know, one thing I've realized, there's never a right time pro- to produce anything. Don't get me wrong, I've trialed it. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's some songs that you feel that you're unsure. Like I said, back in the day, and we're talking maybe like five years ago, I made songs that I wanted to make, but I was fearful because I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know how the crowd, or, um, you know, the audience were going to take it, whether they're going to enjoy it, or is it just me wanting to just get out when I wanted to get out? There's a couple of emotional tracks that I released, like Senti ones or whatever you want to call it. Afterwards, I got a lot of response for them, but I never had the balls <laughs> to shoot a video mm-hmm. to them, even though I wanted to. Uh-huh. Now it's different with streaming. I think you can drop an album, see the response in terms of statistics, right? And you you can see what the audience are you know, liking it. You, you may surprise yourself. Where, yeah, me releasing the typical Daru one, you know, the Nadaria, Tijan, Punjabi, all that. Popular music. Right. Right, you do that as because you think the fans want it, and you do it as your own safety net at the same time. Let's be honest, right? right. right. Nobody wants that, to flop. But does that make you feel good as a as a passionate artist that you are when you when you just put out a, a track just to I guess what you said safety net? But does that make you feel great in the end, or is it more of you want to do what you feel that is music because your music is is very fusioned, right? It's a little bit of full mainstream, etc. Is that more of your safety net now, or is it more of hey, I need to put out a track what everyone else is doing. Not everyone else. I've done that in the past. Don't get me wrong. If you notice, I do what I want to do majority of the time. Yeah, yeah. I've never really followed a trend or anything because, but you kind of do need to listen to your market. And don't get me wrong, I did this last year. I released one or two tracks that didn't do so well because I was looking at what I thought the market needed or, or, or preferred or liked listening to. So I created something but I didn't change my sound because, like you said, my sound's always been fusion. I produce Punjabi music and I produce your mainstream beats and your urban this, whatever you want to call it. I did trial it because you have to trial it. Otherwise, you're gonna. The thing is, I would love to make music I want to make and not think about the market and not think about anybody and people just love it, right? But the reality is, 
Sindel Mosala, let's just use him for an example. He took a sound that everyone enjoyed and he built on it, right? Now he literally pulls the mark, right? Now the thing is, you know which way the mark is going because he dictates it, so to speak, in terms of Punjabi hip-hop or whatever. Yeah. So you automatically think, okay, this is what the audience wants. Or do I just stick with popular music, which I know definitely works, and it has been working for the next 20 years. But the thing is, sometimes you need to get your own. Sometimes you need to trial it yourself and lose, right? And I think that's the biggest lesson you can learn is losing, right? Mm. And I did that like uh, last year. I did. A, I had a couple of tracks that didn't do so well. I had a few that hit the millions, and some that didn't even hit the million, right? And I get a lot of response from my songs anyway. But that just goes to show that you know me following the market isn't always the right thing to do because people already have that in the market. The problem is right now there's a lot of music, a lot of releases. Music is very easily accessible to produce, release. So the thing is, do I release music for my market? Do I release it for my own self-need? The answer to that is, I don't know, because it, you're constantly thinking new things, new ideas, and the market dictates it. Let's just, I mean, I listen, I don't listen to Asian music much. I listen to my Punjabi, but my majority of my playlist on Spotify is the US top 50, right? And the UK top, because I want to see, I want to see the trends in the urban market, see what I can bring to the Asian world. That's me. But at the same time, you think, okay, if you're going to spend 10 lakhs, 10,000 pounds, $15,000 on a project, you don't want to get it wrong, do you? So you have a lot of questions if you've got that responsibility. So there's a lot to think about. I do want to release music that I enjoy. At the same time, I don't want to upset the record labels. You got to get that balance, right? Like you, you just have gotta, to. You got to get, you get it wrong. Nick, you. you can get it wrong. You can get it wrong. And I've got it wrong. And I've had to answer to the heads and say, you know, you know this will happen and it won't happen again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it happens to everybody, man. Not everyone gets, not every single song anybody releases is a hit. How do you feel about these artists who kind of have these fake views and, you know, the songs, let's say... 200 million. Yeah, 200 million, million for, you know, coronavirus song. And, uh, and but realistically, the song maybe probably has, what, a thousand views, less than that? Do people really think that the high views makes the song a lot more attractive? Or is it just, they're just doing it so it shows, hey, it's a really successful, quote-unquote, successful song? Okay, we live in a showbiz world. This is show business, right? A show business is all about perception. So I believe if you, you do scroll through a video and you see 17 million, right? I know the truth. You know the truth. But 99.9% of the world see a number and they perceive that song to be fantastic because it's got 17 million and it's worth a listen. So we live in a world which is all about perception. So, But you do get you, you do get some people that just want to have their own balli balli, right? yeah, yeah. and tell themselves that they did great because you get narcissist people in this world anyway. Right, right? Right. However, the views thing is about perception. And if you can dictate and tell the audience to tell somebody, look at my video, this one's got 17 million as opposed to 100,000. Which one do you think is a better song? Automatically, you're going to assume the 17 million. Mm-hmm. And people spend ridiculous money. See, Google all, ads aren't cheap. It's all and about people. interactions now, I feel like, right? It's the more you can show that number, the more the advertiser wants to pay, you know, the more you're just ranked higher for different opportunities. It's true. It's about if, if you figure out the logarithm, and a lot of the digital companies have, Right. Obviously, YouTube are constantly changing. Google are constantly changing the logarithms. But you got some snappy people. They know what they're doing. 
right? Mm. You're spending X amount of money on your Google ads per click or whatever it is, which, which are legit. But then you figure out methods of manipulating that algorithm to get higher and, you know, to get your trendings to, you know, to have more interaction on your comments and your likes and just like getting that balance where YouTube, the, the bot, the YouTube bot thinks this video is great and it throws it higher up or higher up. So then it comes onto your search pages. So, the, you know, you pay a lot of money to digital companies to deliver that. It's a great business to be in if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's about manipulating um, oh. perception. So, Bob, cutting through all of that, what's one of the songs that you're the proudest of, something that you've made that may not be your most views, but one that you're really proud of? I'm really proud of a song called Black Magic that I released in 2017. It's a song that I, I sang my first solo vocal. I was very nervous, very nervous. I've never sang a full song before. I've done bits and bobs here and there and shouts and choruses. But this song, I, I, I wrote it. I did, obviously, I did the music. I sang it. Uh, shot the video in Toronto. The whole thing was great. And Z Music released it. They loved the song. And unfortunately, the, the video got taken off for a year. after It was doing so well. And I think organically, it reached like 1.1 million over like three months. Um, which is brilliant because that's that's natural progression. But then there was a problem because somebody in Z Music, one of their, their, their teams used somebody else in music for the trailer. So then the whole project got <laughs> locked for a year. So there was no Black Magic video on for a year. However, the song's back up now. But the song did fantastic. And this, a lot of people know that song and they're singing back to me. So I'm very proud of that moment where I kind of grabbed the balls to do something that I really wanted to do and not worry about what people were going to think with my vocal. I think think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's just automatic that we worry about what other people think of what we do. It doesn't matter what we do, but you just got to take that leap, right? And which you did, which is huge. And I'm pretty sure you can't wait to do more now, right? Yeah, I've got another song on my album, which I was, which I'm working on. Everything's on pretty much a lockdown now. And I just finished enough Sana vocal just before the lockdown on the album. And this, the album's fire. I'm singing a song on it too. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah, so um, it's a very catchy song. Like I, it's, it's, The whole album's very pop and it's, it's what I want to do. It's very summer. So hopefully I get to complete it. <laughs> but I hope people do enjoy it. Um, I was due to fly to Toronto actually uh, to oh. shoot two videos, which looks like it's going to be on a back burner. So are you able still to work from home? Like, do you have a little bit of a setup that you can at least get some work done? Or I'm trying to. I've done, I've done the music, majority of it. See, with the way I work, I don't like wasting time. I, there's a lot of people that wait for lyrics and then vocals and they start music. I, I can work that way and I do work that way. But there's, there's, there's times where I make the music because I know what I want. Right? I know the melody. I may not have lyrics, and I know the music I want, and it could just be na 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 And I'm singing that to a songwriter or 10 songwriters, and whoever has the best lyric and fits with my vision, I go with that. But usually, 90% of the time, I think of the hook lines. So what I did in, to speed up the process, because I find a lot of people take the mick when it comes to, you can ask a question, I can pick up the phone, I speak to, I won't mention any names, so a big singer. And we have a long conversation and it's all budgie, 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 bro, 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 bro. It's all that. It's all great. Oh, that's wicked. You know, I had a brilliant conversation. I'm going to get the vocal tomorrow. You don't hear from them for a month, right? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I'm a busy guy. I've got two kids. 
I've got a roadshow, which is nonstop, and I've got a studio running, and I've got other ventures. You can't be that busy, right? But people generally are. So I thought, okay, let's be smart. Let's make the music. Let's get all that done. Give them the composition, give them the lyrics. So they're really, if they are going to waste your time or take the mic, getting it to you, then it won't be as long as it normally is. I know people, big, big artists, producers, that have sat on an album for three years because they can't get the vocalist. They commit and and it's just, I, don't, I guess we're at that age where people just don't like unity anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just don't you hear that, Bell. Bell, you hear that? <laughs> You're not that busy, buddy. Okay. <laughs> they so don't Bob's... like unity. Unity. Did you hear that? <laughs> so, Bob's who's who's your favorite new school and all time uh, favorite Punjabi artist? My all time favorite Punjabi artist is Bindarakil. Now that guy's vocal cut through stone. I loved his ideas. I loved his melodies. I loved his. He was he was genuine. A fantastic artist, you know what I mean? He, he was brilliant. He, he, he changed the game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah, for me, I can listen to him forever. Mm. He's, he's inspirational. In how, about, how, about, how about New School? Punjabi or anyone? Yeah, Punjabi, yeah. Okay, New School. See, for me, it will be the obvious person saying Mozilla. Only because he didn't care about the market. Don't get me wrong. When he first came in, he was following the market and he had a few tracks that just, you know, they just sat in the midst of everything else. But then he found his, he found a niche and he built on it. And I like that about a person. Not, you know, yeah, his music's great. This hip hop's great. But as an artist building on something that you genuinely believe in and not backing and taking the hit for it, and taking criticism and controversy and everything. I like that about a person. Yeah, I know a lot of the times people think, you know, sometimes it becomes a joke. It's like, oh, well, everyone loves Musella or whatever. But from, from what you're saying, he's... And, and, I like you know, it for a different reason. I don't like, you know, yeah, yeah, beats are banging, all that, great. But I, I can make beats like that. I can come out with flaws like that. That's, that's not the point. The point is... In three years, he made himself a legend. Now, that is difficult. That is difficult. Now, you know, God forbid anything was to happen, right? You can put the legends on a wall, and his face will be one of them. And I love that about somebody who persistently made that happen to the point that he's made himself a legend. You can put him in Madden to Swords in three years, that's the that's what I like about yeah. it. In terms of music, in terms of flow, whatever, that's great. Appreciate it. You know, I like what he does. But more as a person and as an artist, driving himself to be a legend, that is difficult. Don't mind me saying, and I hope he doesn't hear this podcast. But like, if you look at Dosanjh, right? He, he, I mean, he's he's also a legend. But it took him a long time. I'm not saying it's a race. I'm just saying that he's at that point too. But Musawala did that because he stuck to it, and I like that about a person. I like his. His hustle. So then, Bubs, what about mainstream artists? Mainstream, man, I love. I, I, Juice World was my favorite, obviously. Oh, really? God, you know, bless his soul. I love trap music. I love trap. I tell you what, I listen to. I, I'm not a real. People are gonna hate me. Like, I'm not a massive <laughs> fan of UK rap, and I do enjoy what Skepta does here and there. But okay, great. 
But for me, US <laughs> trap hip hop that is that's been me from the beginning, from day. Nice. My biggest inspiration, two of my biggest inspirations of music were Dre and Timbo. I love okay. the fact that they thought about music. If you listen to like nothing against trap producers, but I, I just I just like the idea of that sound of hip hop, right? I love it. And it's commercial and it's pop and it's banging. And I enjoy listening to it in my kitchen, cooking the kids' food. Do you know what I mean? I'm bopping to it. Right? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? They 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 because they, they they knew music and then they made rich hip hop. And I like that because my music kinda not resembles it, but I make rich music, whether it's Punjabi music or whether it's urban beats. And I try to make it as rich and musical as possible. I just don't just take loops and think, okay, right key, let's just throw it in. That's not me. I like what Timbo and Dre did and what they contribute towards music. Man, I got a lot so what, of favorites, man. What's your favorite track? What's your favorite hip-hop track of all time? Of all time? It's a hard one, man. That's always a really tough question. Especially if you listen to one. a lot of music, it's very hard, right? But maybe maybe one favorite one or something. Okay. What I enjoy listening to is just part of my playlist like all the time. Like what's what's on the what's that one song that's always on your playlist? This is this yeah. This I'm thinking like this shit. Oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, we swear yeah, all the time. California well, love. Let's just say California oh, love. California love. Let's toss this around. <laughs> let's toss this around. Nick, what about you? What's one of your uh, favorite songs? Um. Uh, Mine, my favorite song has to be, you know what? I don't really have a favorite song, but it's got to be something with Pharrell Williams in it, produced. I love Pharrell. Like Happy? No, not like that. Like something a little bit earlier. Not not, not stuff like that. (laughs) Now, Pharrell before uh, Happy was better. (laughs) (laughs) Like something in the early 2000s. Neptunes. Yeah, some of the Neptunes. Grinding by the clips. Grinding by the clips. That's probably my favorite song. I'll put that. Okay. Bog, what about you, bud? Something that's, again, you guys know me, it's tough for me to ask these questions, but my favorite that's always in my playlist is probably, I like a lot of Jay-Z's, like, like Can I Live is one of my favorite. Can I Live comes on and I just, I can rap the whole thing and I don't know, I like it. That's my favorite. Rap it in the, rap it in the shower? <laughs> oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> I'm sure we've all rapped in the shower, man. It's, it's all good. May I think in the shower? This is my key. Well, I think in two places. Yeah. I think in the car and I can drive forever and I can, I'm like the worst when it comes to carbon footprint. <laughs> right, I can drive <laughs> ages thinking. And in the shower, I leave my phone on to record this, this recording because I'm thinking of melodies, thinking of songs and hooks and crazy stuff, man. The shower is where it all happens. <laughs> yeah. A lot happens. Literally, literally. And you, and, and you never lose a, a debate in the shower either, right? Never. never. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> Um, so a lot of Punjabi singers turn actors, which is becoming very popular, right? And usually it's either being filmed in Canada or India. Is there anything, would you ever put like a movie together in the UK? Something like how they do it there? I've been asked to do a few movies. I'll tell you how it works, but they need you. See, I know I I shouldn't say this, and I'm not generalizing India or or Indian, but they promise you the world, right? right? And then it filters... And it filters, <laughs> and it filters, right? And two movies I was asked for, and they and a similar thing they said to me that we need you for thirty days. Okay, great. It'll be it won't be paid, but you get your expenses and da 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 da. 
I'm thinking, hold on a second. This movie, this, and I even had a script. And I thought, okay, this is this is not the best movie, right? But <laughs> I know a lot of singers do take roles on because I think it's 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 a business card, isn't it? It's a very expensive business card, right? Advertising, right? Massive. Right, yeah, marketing. Think about it. You'll be on hundreds of screens around the globe, yeah. and it's it's promotion. See, my, you know, if you're if if you're seen, you're sold. You're the same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you've seen your soul, so they, they think, okay, hold on a second. If I become an actor, whether it's a movie that works or not, it's exposure. I personally believe if you're not an actor, just don't bother. And that was a reason for me to say, forget this. Right? I go, I had a choice. Okay, I can lose a month's gigs and family time and music making, and I can try this movie. But then I came to that point when I thought about it, I'm like, Dude, I'm not an actor. Right? I can I'm gonna kid myself, right? I'm gonna. It's it's not for me. And on top of that, they told me that I need to do. I need to have Punjabi lessons. Yeah, I'm from the UK. I speak Punjabi, but not the Punjabi they want for that Punjabi right, right, right. film scene, right? But that's why people do it. And I disagree. If you're an actor and you develop on it, or you're a singer and you develop on your acting, Amiver, Amarinder Gil, Dilji. If 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 you work on that craft, then yes, act. If you're just doing it for a business card, then, mate. You're not doing the right reason. Yeah, yeah. You're not doing it for the right reasons. I don't watch Punjabi movies. I find them, I find them boring, man. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I don't watch Bollywood much. I'm a massive movie buff. Huge. Yeah. Huge. I, I watch movies like two, three times a week. Right? Well, you have to. In right? my you nowhere to go. Not now. No. <laughs> and I've got a Limitless card. See, I've, the best thing about the Limitless card I, I, I kind of book a movie, like, you know, whenever I want, oh, this is command, just book it. If I go or not, it doesn't make a difference. Right? But I love my own space. Yeah. I'm not saying that too loud. I, <laughs> uh, so I love my own space. And I think going to the movies is it's my downtime. I don't need to speak to anybody. I mean, like, you shouldn't speak to anybody during a movie anyway. But I think that is my time to just stop. When you're in the music game and when you're a dad, you guys know this. Do you know what I mean? When you're family man, it's, it, that's that's never switching off. Yeah. The only time for me it switches off is in the movies, in in, in the auditorium. So you're saying if I wrote a a UK comedy romance movie, you wouldn't want to be in it. You just say no, Nick. I'm out of here. Nah, man. Don't, don't ever talk to me. Don't ever talk to me, Nick. Unless <laughs> unless I go to acting school. And I know I can deliver a good role. You know, uh, okay, Nick, for example, if you, you, you like movies, right? And you like well-made movies, you like good actors, you like good scripts, you like a good plot, right? Now, if certain elements of that are broken, the movie, the movie doesn't gel, right? 100%. If I know I'm kidding myself, right? And I'm just hoping, yeah, yeah. Bob Sagu's in the movie. We've got um, Ranjit Baba in the movie. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. Now it doesn't work like that. You gotta believe if in you yourself. At, you are 1917. Two actors that nobody knew of. Nobody. That film blew it out the water, right? Baobali is another one for the Bollywood world, right? Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. They took an unknown, and he smashed it. Yeah. Because he was an actor, right? So same with this 1917 chaps. They were actors. So I think you need to know your craft. So I would happily reject yours and say, come to my <laughs> list with this. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Okay. 
So this is the perfect opportunity for us to take a break from our interview with Bub Sugu. Now, what you need to know is that this is just part one of our interview, and part two will be out next week. But for those of you that can't wait, Thirst World has you covered. We have a YouTube channel. So what you can do is you can go to YouTube right now and you can check us out. The full interview with Bubs is out now on YouTube. So make sure you go check out our channel. If you liked any part of the episode, make sure you tell a friend. If you like one of our past episodes, make sure you tell a friend. If you just like our name, make sure you tell a friend. We've got some big goals for this year, but it will only work if you guys help spread the word and get the Thirst World podcast out there and into some new listeners' ears. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it. Make sure you check out part two being released next week via podcast and go check out the full interview right now on YouTube. Yes, Thirst World has a YouTube channel. So go check out the full interview of Bub Sagu on YouTube out right now. Thanks for listening to the Thirst World Problems Podcast. For more exclusive content, follow us on Instagram at Thirst World Pod. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share.